Hi guys, it's Tish and welcome back to my podcast. I um know it's been a while and you have to forgive me for that. But um I'm back with a special guest with me, a dear friend, Natasha. Natasha say hi. Hi. And um we are going to be talking about something that is been on my heart for off and on for a long time but honestly I've been scared to talk about it and but I with this pandemic going on I just felt like this was something that needed to be discussed amongst women especially because we are still so underly represented in the numbers of um this issue and the issues of porn addiction and what it can you may not be addicted to it but you've viewed it the numbers speak for themselves and as us as christians the numbers are even less for representing women and the um, addiction that comes with porn and and it just makes me sad and and so um, Natasha gracefully um, accepted my request and that's what we're going to be talking about today so um, even if it's not something that you've had to deal with I promise you you know someone who has so whew, yeah let's get this on the road yay okay Natasha ma'am so um, share a little bit about yourself to the people who don't know you and yeah. <laughs> oh man, I didn't think of that. Um, well, yeah, just like where you currently reside, you know, stat, you know, a couple stats, nothing. Stats. So I'm, uh, 35. Just start throwing that out there. Um, yeah. 35, build 22, it's fine. Um, married with two beautiful babes, um, a five-year-old daughter and a three-and-a-half-year-old son, Matty and Noah. Um, we technically reside in Chicago. We own a house there. Um, but currently are in South Carolina because my husband and I were at nervous breakdown level trying to work and parent and teach. Um, and so we moved in with yep, my yep. mom. Um, but I feel like it was a little bit of an upgrade at this time because last Friday we had snow in Chicago and now I'm in 82 degree weather. So it's, it's okay. It's great. It's, it's okay. I miss people, but I don't miss the weather. So that's a plus. That's... Um, yeah, so I, I work in executive search. I also um, am involved in the women's ministry at my church in Chicago, Trinity Church. Um, used to lead the kids' ministry there. Um, stepped back from that when I felt God called me back to work in the in the secular world um but have a deep deep love for jesus and for women specifically and um also specifically a a heart for talking about the things we don't often talk about yeah girl want to get honest and um really really against shame so uh want to talk about all the things all the things that women struggle with um that that bring a lot of shame and yes. bring in freedom instead. That's my heart. Yes. So to like Jackie Perry Hill says to my saints and my aints, uh, <laughs> for the both of us, you know, um, we are Christians and our love for Jesus is very um, much what guides us through our life. And so um, we will be hitting on that a lot, but this can be for anybody, whatever your background may be, your belief system. This is just still something for everyone. So thanks for that. Um, Natasha is great. Um, like she said, she is part of um, many of things at Trinity and is just such a wonderful people person and always out for the ladies so as a um someone who's experienced that love it's very much real so 
But yeah, let's get down to the nitty gritty. <laughs> so, um, Natasha, when were you first? Oh, and mind you, I I've known Natasha for like five years now, and so I already know um, a lot of her story. But I will be asking just to give some. So I'm starting from a place of knowing. So if, um, but hopefully we can, you know, help. If there's any confusion, we get it cleared up as the conversation continues. But Natasha, just share a little bit. Like, when were you first exposed to pornography? Um, I would, as a child, I think my first exposure to it was actually in a book. Um, I read a part of a book that was at a friend's house. It was one of those romance novels, but graphic ones. Um, and I remember reading it and having a physical reaction to it. It was the first time I think my body ever responded um, with like pleasure and um, like that sensation. Mm-hmm. And um, that was like my first, so my first wasn't visual. Um, it was just reading it and, and the strong reaction I had from that. So. I don't know the first age that I saw something. I think the first age I remember seeing like actual pornography, I was in, it was like summer before freshman year of high school or maybe freshman year of high school. It's the first time I remember seeing it. There's a chance I saw it before, but I don't necessarily recall. Okay. And like you said, the that first like reaction is, would you say that helped the curiosity to keep digging like what was the like what allowed for the pause in between like childhood to teenage that um yeah well I think uh so I definitely then had a an understanding or comprehension of the fact that I could feel that type of pleasure and um before understanding what it was Mm -hmm. would want would want to feel that um and i I definitely, I think, explored that more in middle school, definitely high school. I think perhaps the block for me mentally, again, I don't know if I actually saw stuff, I don't remember, um, but because I, I also suffered some sexual trauma at that same, around that same age. Um, and so I think some of that is blocked in my brain um, because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it definitely, so then I was exposed from that, from that level of, of um, what that can feel like and, and what happened. And so I think definitely my mind in all aspects was very much opened to it uh, um, and having kind of negative reactions to it. Oh, wow. So how do you think that has that block do you think it it hindered that curiosity to like when you got to like high school when you first to the visual do you think that mental block kind of helped in delaying that or do you think it pushed it more so of the trauma do you think the trauma happened. helped that curiosity I think it yeah no i think it probably delayed it somewhat um because I think my body kind of my mind my mind shut just shut down mm-hmm. to a lot of that, um, and then I think I had some normal teenage curiosity um, around those things, you know, questions you're gonna gonna ask or think, um, and then when I was 17 is when all my memories act. So I actually blocked out my memories of my trauma for a decade, not, mm-hmm. not consciously, like subconsciously. Mm-hmm. They came flooding back to me when I was 17. Um, and that is when I would say, um, I don't know if I immediately became addicted to pornography. I think that came a lot later. Um, but it was definitely when my, when all my memories came back that the kind of pornography I struggle with started to, to come up or bubble up for me. Yeah, I just, that's a whole nother kit and caboodle. It is. (laughs) Like, molestation, sexual, any kind of sexual abuse is, I think, 
can just lead you down a rabbit hole. But um, that's not saying that happens for everybody. Sometimes it it does, you know, a friend has a magazine or a friend, you know, we grew up before, you know, the internet was just starting to form in like middle school, high school for us. Yeah. Or become popular, I should say, in homes. So it was, you know, somewhat harder than it is now. But, um, you know, kids always find a way, make a way. Um, unfortunately for me, you know, being exposed to it at such a young age, I was like four or five, I think really shaped the way I viewed intimate. It definitely did not probably did. It definitely shaped what, um, intimacy, sex, the healthy, you know, relations between two adults are and um it it's it's just crazy that there was never a place where we could go as young women to express ourselves and what we're going through um in the church you know i remember even you know we grew up through the true love waits phase and purity is the way to go and I kiss dating goodbye and I mean I don't know how it was at your church I used to wear the I had a necklace that had a heart and then a key cut out and then the key was attached to the keychain and it fit into the heart and it said he who holds the key will unlock my heart and my, my goal or my plan was to give that to my husband on our wedding night. <laughs> How did that work out, girl? It did not. It got lost. Like, we got lost. So, there was that. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, it's just the, the harping on young ladies to remain pure while this issue is running rampant. It's just without um with making the assumptions that we have no idea what is going on or we would never you know want to watch anything like that or want to like go out of our ways to find things like that and that's totally not the case and it's um it's really it infuriates me at this point um to have to um sorry my things are popping up to have to like even when I was texting you like trying to find numbers amongst the church is still like lumped in with that of men and like what men are dealing with and and or how we were told we need to wear certain clothes we you know it's the guy's eyes you know that we have to help them not lust and it's just like well what about my lust yeah for as long as i can remember lust has exclusively been seen as a as a man's battle um and that myth has really resulted in a a true lack of community for women for struggling women in particular and i mean we need to become more educated on that subject and speak truth you know, boldly to include women when we're doing that because, um, you know, we get judged, um, men get explained. Exactly. When it comes to lust and men are getting helped, women are getting shamed. Yes. Um, And I think, I did do some research too and they were... Share, share, share. I mean, it's interesting because in general, Mm -hmm. outside of the church, just in the context of the world as a whole, they say more than more than one in three women watch porn at least once a week. Yep. Um, and in the church, they they did a study on women. It said sixty percent of the women um, struggled with lust. Forty percent of them had committed some sort of sexual sin within the last year. Twenty percent of them acknowledged being addicted to porn. Um, I that's the numbers that are reported. I that alone is like a, is a, it is 
obviously numbers to be concerned and right they're staggering but i even would would argue that there's probably a strong chance those numbers are higher Mm -hmm. because of the amount of shame we've had around this topic that even if anonymous i think some women might still struggle especially in the church to to acknowledge it and speak it out they might have never spoken it out to anyone before and so to be asked in a survey even if anonymous I, I would I would be hard pressed to believe that every woman was honest with that if if I'm being honest. And so even at those numbers, it's staggering. Right. They could actually be higher than that. Um, there, there's a chance I think that those could actually be higher than that. And so um, you know this is definitely not just a man's issue. Um, and so yeah, I think we absolutely need to be be talking about this more. Yeah, and it's like. Um, I, my therapist a couple years ago, when we were talking about, um, dating and she, she told me how she had young Christian men who were her clients as well. And they would not at the time weren't dating Christian women because they felt that they couldn't be honest about what they could be struggling with or that they saw them as naive or dainty and, you know, the quote-unquote pure Proverbs 31 woman that they couldn't handle what they're going through as as guys. And I'm just like, when are we going to change this conversation? When, like, this whole, like... And another friend of mine, we were talking about the Madonna whore complex of just, like, either she... of she's like basically a, a hooker prostitute and no offense to if that is your means of income or she's like pure Mary mother of God you know and there's like never a middle ground or just an understanding that we as women can be in tune with our sexuality or have that we have a, a sexuality exactly have, have a sexuality yeah. and could be intrigued by what we are seeing on the screen as well. There were, you know, there's more and more surveys. The one that you're seeing, the one in three, that was from 2015. Who knows where it is in 2020? You know, like, and the women are getting into more and more violent porn. Like, and then we are okaying things like Fifty Shades of Grey and saying, well, you know, it's okay because you know, they were in a relationship or something weird. I never read the books. I never, no judgment, y'all, but let's just call it it, call it what it is, okay? Yeah. And I, I mean, it's kind of hard to avoid that in porn. Um, there's like 88% of scenes in porn contain some sort of act of physical aggression. Yes. 49% are verbal, um, which absolutely has to have an impact on us as women, but I think it even goes, I think we absolutely need to be talking about the reality that, that women will have, they have the urge or young girls are going to be exposed to this or have the urge to want to look at it or whatever. But I think we need to go even farther back in the fact that often in church, as women, we are taught that our bodies are like a stumbling block. Um, I think we lack a really full kind of holistic understanding of our sexuality as women um and that leads to shame it leads to confusion on how like how do you spiritually process the fact that you have sexual desires um and that those aren't wrong the desires are not wrong um but how do you how do you spiritually process that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and that's when the world's message enters because the church has not taken the opportunity to help women understand um that you know god's design uh, for sexuality um and that silence has really led us into a deeper level of addiction because sexual repression um that is released then through porn becomes an outlet yep. and we are actually um the cause and effect of this is that female addiction is increasing year over year the, the addiction to porn in females is increasing because and, and it's also not just in the church um, in, in the world. In, all um, over, yep. Women experience shame double the rate of men when it comes to pornography. Yeah, 
it it's like and just like what is that saying? It doesn't um, make sense. Like we have eyes just like men do. Our there's no you know full study to say that our our brains can't react to what we see the way that men's do and to continuously say that this is just a man's issue is just dangerous and the numbers are showing like you said like it is it just it's infuriating and even for me as someone who has claimed a lot of her past has claimed a lot of her trauma I still had a struggle with sharing this part of of me, how for a long time, off and on, porn was a coping mechanism for me. Like, it was a form of comfort and release. Every Anytime I felt rejected, anytime I felt unwanted or down, I would just crawl into the hole the rabbit hole that is pornography, no matter what it was. And continue and it isolates you and you don't know, you know, and it would, it would be a fight that I would have to do by myself or felt like I had to do by myself because I was just so worried that everyone could handle everything else about my story from molestation to homelessness to everything and you know a lack of relationship with my father whatever all the the sad things <laughs> that come from my story but they can't handle this part you know I and even I remember I was in a church in in Georgia and I would I I shared and I felt like it was taking all of me to share it and people were like oh you know kind of brush it under the rug or they would look at me different you know and it's just like well why did I what was the point of this is this helpful am I just like being looked at weird and so again I just went a long time with not sharing that part of my story and you know it's not to say that you know, God's timing is perfect, but, you know, how many more people could miss out because we're afraid or, you know, like the theme, like you said, the theme of this is the shame that is continuously put on women that we're supposed to be walking around in pure white long dresses and not know anything of ourselves until all of a sudden we're married and then we can let loose and then let me not get started on hold that whole mess of a theory that's well i mean i think it's even you know it's pornography as well is not typically the um i think a misconception is that the reason someone watches pornography is because they're not having sex um and and that's not true because i've actually struggled with pornography more mm-hmm. in, so I, I struggled with it before I gave my life back to Christ I was saved when I was five I was abused when I was seven I kind of started to slowly fall away and then I really walked away for a good decade between 17 to 27 um, I still loved God I didn't doubt Jesus right. I just did not live my life for him and I definitely partook in pornography and masturbation as well as sexual sin with a partner during that whole decade um, then I gave my life back to, to Jesus and started living it for him, and I actually stopped doing any of that. Um, it came back when I was actually dating my, my now husband. Um, he struggled with it, and that like opened a door, which is another whole topic of you know how you can be led. Um, but since being married, I still struggled with it on and off, and we have sex, so it's that we have. A, it has nothing to do with the fact of whether or not you're having sex. Oh, yeah. It's towards God. For me, it um, now has become my rebellion against God. When I'm upset or angry at him, um, frustrated, annoyed, don't understand, confused, whatever. Any sort of, like, a child, it, it's a tantrum, basically, that I'm having towards God because I haven't resolved the heart issue. So getting married is not 
Y'all heard that? Y'all heard that? Getting married ain't gonna fix your problems. Can I get an amen? Amen. It might make sex no longer sin. That sex and pornography are just that the outward foot expression of a heart issue towards God. So if you resolve, quote unquote, resolve the outward expression because you, you've removed the potential of it being a sin, so i.e. sleeping with my husband before marriage, which I didn't do, but like if that had been something I was doing, getting married maybe made that not a sin anymore, but the heart issue was still there. So it, it found another way out, right? right? And now it's pornography. Right. So my heart issue towards God it is the true issue, um, but the door being open to pornography being an avenue and an outlet for that is happening at such a young age, and also the lack of just women being told it's okay to have sexual desires and um, obviously to live them out the way God intends, but like desires are not wrong, they're literally God-given, um, and then how you steward them is really where truth comes in but um i think that's in that's important to know and another thing that i think brings a lot of shame and pressure and is totally the enemy um is this belief which i had for a really long time of like feeling you know i wanted to be able to claim victory over the fact that i wasn't watching pornography like i wanted to feel healed from it mm -hmm. uh and i had i had gone a year without looking at it or masturbating um and i but i still felt like not free of it i, I felt like oh I, I don't feel like i could stand here and say i'm never going to do that again and um i don't want to but i don't know if i i don't know if i feel like that and i shared that with a, a dear friend and she had said listen as soon as you open the door to a sin the enemy can always come through that door unless god chooses to close it but often he doesn't because it requires us to rely on him and so if you wait for that moment where you feel like you can claim ultimate victory over over a sin you might have opened a door to, then you're putting so much pressure on yourself that if you fall or you stumble, which is likely to happen at some point because we are a fallen, a fallen race, um, then the, the shame and guilt and condemnation that comes with that. Mm -hmm. it's, so she really challenged me that like every day, every time I choose Jesus over that sin, I should celebrate that victory. That is a victory. Every time you choose God over a sin, in that moment, celebrate because that's victory. And it just relieves a lot of that pressure and legalistic thought of like, we gotta be perfect. We can't ever do this again. And as if it's a salvation issue and like, spoiler alert, it's not. Um, it absolutely affects our relationship with God, but it does not affect our salvation. So, like, we also want to get that right, because I think women get a lot of pressure of that, of anything sexual is going to, like, send us to hell. And so, um, I think that's important to really encourage people of, like, listen, every time you choose God, celebrate that, because He is. So, I think that's important to know. Yeah, and um, I think that's a, a beautiful breakdown, and, and so true, everything you just said. And I it is it's just um the the thought of that we feel like we will ever fully arrive on this side of eternity um is just asking for failure <laughs> like there there's a reason why it says in the bible he gives us grace a portion to us for every day <laughs> like it it is every day we need it and and to those of you who are listening and, you know, you may not be a Christian and totally, you know, fine. Um, but just for your mental sake, um, to allow something that is meant to be between people, between themselves, uh, a bonding moment, a sacred moment. Um, it's going to F up your brain. Like, and it's ruined by what Natasha said of being, you know, the, the verbal exchange, um, the name calling, the, the violence, the, um, just the disrespect. And let's not get on the fact of majority, a lot of the people in the industry um 
probably are not even wanting to be in it themselves. Um, human trafficking, there, there's known human trafficking happening in the porn industry. And right now during the pandemic, the numbers are just like Pornhub. They made their subscription free for people in Europe during this pandemic. So more and more people especially young people are getting exposed where our brains are still developing yeah. um, your, you know, how you form, how you see women. People are wondering why, you know, more attacks against women are, are happening yeah. when we're trying to, you know, continue to fight for equality. Um, when you look at the heart of the matter, the root, as we, you know, Natasha talked about, the root of our heart issue and the root of the problem leads to the the issue of what people are seeing yeah. in porn. Yeah. <laughs> um, and not only is it like visually damaging and presenting um, a reality that is just not true, mm-hmm. um, there's also like a a scientific effect that pornography yep. has. I mean, sexual, like sex um, therapists are almost all exclusively against pornography because of how dangerous it is. There's actually, so they say that the neurochemical climax that is released in your body during a, a porn-induced ecstasy is uh, actually mirrors the brain activity of someone on crack cocaine. Yep. So it is literally addictive it's in nature, highly addictive so in nature. And it like creates these inroads, these like dip, like paths in your brain that then basically make it very difficult that if you're going to, you, if you want to climax again, um, you have to get have to, to that like, far. You have to get to that level. Yes. Um, and so it's, it, it, it actually negatively and scientifically, it negatively impacts your brain. Yes. Um, so like take God out of it, which I don't want to do, but I'm just saying. For us, we, yeah, it, we won't. But science is proof that this is not good for our brains. Yes. And yeah, you want to talk about rape culture, and we want to talk about the Me Too movement and all of that, but we're not gonna we're not gonna go after the porn industry. When yeah. I cited those numbers before of how how much the majority of it, 88 percent of it, has physical aggression towards women, and you want to still wonder that why Me Too hasn't hasn't truly curved yeah it hasn't changed anything the it's not okay and yet we continue to try to normalize normalize it you know it you know it'll be like i've seen it on buzzfeed and they're talking about like what kind of porn you watch or you know mainstream media continuously trying to make it this or just discuss it as this normal thing like you can do when you're bored and it's just like no and um if you want to get more of the statistics like natasha has talked about i mean you can google but fight the new drug.org is a great you know nonprofit organization um it's not religious based but as natasha said it's um scientifically based um, they just want to get people to know the information that's out there of what is causing, um, what, how porn is harming everyone around us. Um, whether you are the one addicted or you have a loved one and how it's affecting them, get the information. Um, there's, there's Christian organizations like Triple X Church and Covenant Eyes, um, and Barna Group who will who give this information for free. Um, if you want more in-depth, they have some books. But just like, the info is there for us. And we, if we continue to keep ignoring it, like there's more teens violence happening, sexual violence happening uh, against girls. Like there's been times where, you know, stories of kids making sex videos and posting it on social media you know it where are they getting this from from porn so it's just like it doesn't i just we're like this is bad but we don't want to talk about why it's not bad like why it's bad it's and it's it's just mind-blowing to me and and as a single person I feel like it, 
it's we're to share this part of who I am there's something there's something wrong with you and that's why you're still single and you need to go pray in a corner and I just want to encourage my single gals and guys like you are loved and you deserve honor respect just like anybody else because Jesus died on the cross for you to have that respect okay and he didn't go through all that he went through that shame so you didn't have to have it and um it it's it's just mine it took me let's just say this it took me almost a week to even reach out to Natasha to talk about this because of my worry and my nervousness and I strive to be an authentic person and I don't because I grew up around with a lack of authenticity um in a lot of ways but because of the shame because of the the just the way that I've been looked at in the past I didn't want to do this but God was like this is something we have to talk about because in this time where we are more isolated than ever these old habits you know people are drinking a lot more people are gravitating to these bad coping mechanisms to deal with the stress and worry and anxiousness that this pandemic is causing and it shouldn't have, it, and some things are difficult than others but usually like once my mind is made up and something god has laid on my heart once i know it i'm off and going it shouldn't have taken me a week to reach out to my friend about something like this that this isn't important but that is what is continuously thrown at us still even with these numbers natasha's given that i've given like you know what like how would you you know encourage someone like when you're speaking to some of the girls you've mentored and discipled like what if if say i'm one of them and i'm coming to you like what would you say to them um, they're coming fresh to you with this struggle, um, with this addiction, call it what it is. And what would you say to them? I mean, my first response would be, I love you. Mm -hmm. Um, this doesn't change how I see you, nor does it change how God sees you. So before we even address it, just thank you for being vulnerable and honest with me, um, and giving me a chance to speak truth. Um, but, but I love you. So I start there, um, and let them react to that because I think the major fear is off is being ostracized and yes. rejected. Um, yes. and so to let someone just sit in the acceptance of this does not change who you are at all, nor does it change your salvation or your standing with God in any way. Mm -hmm. So I would start with that. Um, and then I would just listen, you know, what, when did it start? Do you know why? Um, I think address the outward sin, um, but then encourage them to go deeper. I, I don't think often me as a dis you know discipling woman or um, friend is going to be able to necessarily tell them what their heart issue may be. That's that's the job of the Holy Spirit. Um, sure, He's given me words of knowledge before, but typically that's that's work He's going to do with them. Um, so for me, I would point them back to the Word. I would point them to Jesus. I would challenge them to really spend some time um with the lord asking for him to reveal what that heart issue might be like where's the motivation um what what is this replacing that you feel like you're not getting from from god um what lie is being spoken over you that is causing you to, to, to step into the sin and once we know what that lie is then we can replace it with truth and that's what breaks those chains so um that would be kind of obviously it might be more detailed or longer multiple steps right. in that process um obviously pray over them uh pray with them and then offer you know to be an accountability partner or encourage them to get one um it's not something we're meant to do alone that's not a cross nope. we're meant to care alone that's not um a sin we're meant to overcome alone mm -hmm. um and that's what that enemy wants to do he wants to isolate us and keep us in the dark so that we think we're the only one that struggles with it and so we we have 
we have to hide it. Um, and so, yeah, I do everything I could to encourage them to, to, to bring that into the light. And, and here's the thing, you don't have to share that. Like, I feel like God has called me to share my this this struggle that's been in my life with with people. Um, I don't think he's going to do that for the majority of, of people. That's, you know, you, you choose one. Right. You, choose... you don't need to be out there spreading it no. on Instagram if no, you don't you want a, to. You need at least one person or right. a couple God-loving, Jesus-following, you know, believers, or just anyone you can trust to really support you and point you back to back to the cross. But um, you don't need to share it with the world uh, at, at all. So, um, you know, I think it would also depend if they were married. I would absolutely um, encourage them to share it with their husband if they haven't yet. Um, and then, you know, see, seek repentance, and then let's pray for God to do do his do his work um, and walk through that with them. You know, they're not alone. So, yeah. uh, and, I, and I think that's, you know, on an individualistic degree, that's great if, if people are going to come to you. Um, but I think that the bigger issue here is how, how big of an issue, both men and women, this is in the church. And there's only like 7% of pastors that say they, there's a, there's a ministry for this. In the Girl, when I saw that. Yeah, that's heartbreaking. That's when I texted you. I was like, this is making me sad. Yeah, it's it's infuriating. So it's like, you, like, I think, what did I see? I said, uh, I saw a stat that said 57% of pastors say porn addiction is the most damaging issue in their congregation. Um, 69% say it, at least it's adversely impacted the church, but only seven are. Only seven. But y'all, I mean, none. That's not just on the pastor, right? That's on all of us. If you're oh. a church, you got a heart for this, like step out and ask to start it. You know, it doesn't have to necessarily be this big formal thing right away. Like, let's just have a safe space for people to come. Yes. It's okay, but like, let's do something. We need to take our foot off of the brake and we need to be, we need to slam it onto the gas and aggressively attack this because it is destroying lives. Yes. It is destroying lives. I mean, it increases pornography in a marriage increases the chance of um, divorce by over three hundred percent. Three hundred percent, and over half marriages are because, or at least a main reason, is because one one party or both were had an addiction to pornography. <laughs> so this is not just in the Christian world. This is destroying lives in all aspects. So God or not, this is an issue. Um, and yeah, we can't we can't be silent anymore. And it needs to go further than just addressing this outward expression of sin. We need to go deeper with the heart issue and we need to address, like attack this before it even becomes an issue. And the way to do that specifically for girls is to stop treating us like virginal little, um, like dolls. <laughs> and, uh, you right start, girl. Yeah. Like let's be, you know, how God have, open conversations about our sexuality like yes you can teach about abstinence you can teach about waiting until marriage but let's acknowledge what is there as well that i am a created sexual being and i have these desires because listen a lot of these teenagers that are when they say that they google something they want to know because their parents take them out of sex ed because they and then the parents not teaching them anything and yeah. then they go and google something and next thing you know they fall down the rabbit hole of nonsense yeah. and you're it's like no this is healthy conversation yeah. if we want to keep talking about sex is god created and da, 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 but then we stop there what, what are we gonna do what yeah. are, what is gonna change well, I want to point them to the word. Like, God's not a prude. I don't know if you've read Song Solomon. Right. Like, like he'd he be doing it. the sexy it's things. He'd be talking about the sexy it's, things. It's intense. It's intense. It's, it's a, a bit of a raunchy book. And, you know, that's not like you only read that book once you're married. You know, you're, that the Bible's not just for married people. Um, and so I think that. Let them know. I, I have a daughter. I have a daughter. And I want her, when she's married, to have a healthy sex drive. Like, it's not just about pro, uh, procreation. It's not just something you do for your husband. Yes. Um, you're not just an orifice, ladies. Enjoy. 
Uh, you can absolutely enjoy it. I want you to enjoy it. I don't want to think about that. But like, you know, when she's older and married, I do want her to enjoy it. Um, and like, be free within the context that God created that for. Um, but yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I think, you know, for, for those that are called to singleness for life, I, I can't get on an empathetic level there because I haven't been called to that. And I, I would not try and begin to say, I understand what that's like. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or speak fully into that because you know I, I, I can't I can't from that um, from that angle. But you know Paul, what in the Word he he talks about being called to singleness and and then marriage as if marriage is like the short end of the stick. Um, and like he literally is like, man, I right. wish I wish other people, more people, could have could be called to what I've been called to. As if to get married is the raw deal <laughs> and um and in a way in, in ways it is and those we don't talk about those either enough i don't think i think um because the majority of them are not called to that um we neglect um, um that it's like we treat it as if that's the raw end of the deal neither are the raw ends of the deal that's the truth right there is fullness in both right uh, and we still need to address this issue for those called the singleness for life because it's still gonna it's still gonna crop up for them just as if we still need to talk about it for people married as if because you can have sex it's not an issue anymore like neither of those are correct so there's no there's no point at which we shouldn't be addressing this there's no one who's above this if you think you are um above sexual sexual sin in any form good luck you're against a lot of those in in the bible (laughs) like revered people that um that, that that struggled with this so you know yeah none of us have arrived it's an issue we need to be talking about not just reactively proactively yes one of the ways i think to get ahead of it so that it never becomes an issue for someone we still dress address it but it, it might never become a thing someone has to fall into is by addressing what how god made us as sexual beings and, and, and affirming that yes. in, the con- in the context of which he created it, but acknowledging that, let me, let me just, I, I've had a friend who didn't think they needed accountability partners while they were dating because, uh, um, I honestly, I, I don't know. It was as if there was this belief that once you get married, then you're going to have the urges. And it's like, no, that's one of the main reasons people get married is it's not like a, a light bulb goes off and you're a different person when you're married. Nothing changes in you. By yes. Being it's just a covenant with God. And not just as if it's not amazing, but like it's a covenant with God. You don't change everything that you Bring feel. That- you feel before you're married. So if you think that you're not going to struggle with that, um, that's, that's silly. And so we need to be proactive with this. We need to talk about how we're going to have these urges at any point in our lives, whether we're in the context of it being, being, you know, in God in God's plan or not, that um, you're gonna you're gonna have those desires. Yeah. Desires are not wrong. The desires are not shameful. They are absolutely beautiful and God given. They just are meant to be lived out in in His very specific context. Right. And you know, and not just leave it at that. Then then say, okay, so let's acknowledge we have these. And then let's talk about how 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 we handle that. How do we live that um, open-handed? Like, what 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 are practical steps? What are things we need to do? Um, and I think continuing the dialogue is one of the major things, as well as obviously going back to scripture and seeing what God says. So, um, you know, because it's all it's all through Him. But yeah, I think those are there are a lot of layers we need to peel back. Oh yeah, this is um, just this is just. This is the top, the tippy top, okay? Um, yes, and um, we're coming to a time of close. Natasha, I just thank you so much for bringing your wisdom and your your story, a bit of your story to this, and um, I just. I just think that like just start the conversation is what we're what we're asking guys is start the conversation go to someone you trust 
go to someone you know if like the some of the websites i mentioned from before fightthenewdrug.org um barna group um um, beggar's daughter is a is a christian one but, beggar's uh, daughter like there's a, a a couple other ones out there um if you want to look up and see what we some of the numbers that we referenced from and um just be encouraged that you're not alone in this that um this is something that day by day you can overcome and we we can overcome and um just yeah stay encouraged anything else you want to share before we go i would just like end on on how jesus responds to sexual sin which in john 8 1 through 11 it talks about the the married woman who was caught in adultery um i would encourage you to go to go read that and how how jesus responded to her which was with love and grace Yes. Um, and not condemnation and guilt. And so, if we're going to take our cues from anyone, we're going to take them from Jesus. Preach, um, so girl. Now, you felt that shame. You felt that condemnation. That's not from God. It's not. Um, he opens you with well, open arms um, and forgiveness and grace is what, what you get. So, this would end with that. You heard it, y'all. Truth just dropped on you. Okay. All right, guys. Well, Thanks for listening. Be encouraged. And if you have any questions, you can hit us up on IG, Tisha's Thoughts. That's T-E-E-S-H-S Thoughts on IG. Natasha, are you open to sharing your IG? Yeah, I don't even know what it is. is it? And I don't even know. Okay. Um, <laughs> Tag me in the podcast. <laughs> Um, I will put a, I put a, I'll put a picture of her, um, with her IG on a post (laughs) so you can go and find her. She's pretty much an open book and so great. So give her a shout out, give her a reach out in the DMs. You can reach me out on my DMs at Tisha's Thoughts. All right, guys, we'll talk to you over. Bye.